Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Owl's Nest. We are now uh, about a month deep into quarantine. I've lost track of exactly where the time has gone. Everything's just sort of blurring into one uh, long week for me. Jake, how you doing over there on your side? Uh, not too bad. Can't complain too much. Other people have a lot of worse. Uh, they sure do. So everybody out there, make sure that you're staying safe, staying healthy. Uh, today we're going to take a look at the takeaways from last week. We're also going to forecast uh, a few of the teams based on what we've seen so far in these past 10 weeks. We're, we're coming up on about the middle of the season. So I think that we've seen the majority of what we're going to see out of these teams. We'll talk a little bit about what that might look like in the future. Uh, and then finally, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the more uh, uh, the more recent hero pool changes and what this week's meta might end up looking like as a result. But to start out with, the Vancouver Titans, last time we saw them was at the beginning of the season. Uh, there's been a, a lot of moving around for them, uh, but they came back this past weekend playing against uh, the Charge and the Chengdu Hunters. And I have to say, Jake, did you expect Vancouver to go 0-2 in the same weekend? No, I, I wouldn't have expected this result from the team. Um, I think this was just a bad week for them in terms of strategy. I just felt like, at least in the Hunters game, their Ryan Zarya strat worked on Busan, which is a pretty strong map for that comp in general. You can you know rush the enemy down, fight at close range. But then the next three maps, they pretty much just got chopped up into little pieces by the double shield with Hanzo Mei. And it felt like they just never really reacted. And without the D.Va, it really didn't feel like they could deal with that amount of spam coming in. They played a little bit of the comp themselves, but got bested in the mirror. So, uh, I mean, props to their opponents, at least. Yeah, I have to say, I was really disappointed. I know that uh, on last week's show, you know, you had mentioned that for the Vancouver Titans, you know, their strong suit is running more of a dive-oriented comp. But obviously, you know, last year, and it's not exactly the same team, but last year, you know, they were one of the best in the GOATS meta, uh, you know, with Bumper in, in Tizzy. So so I have to ask, do you think that letting go of them and bringing in Fissure, at least for this particular weekend, uh, was kind of one of the things that backfired on them a little bit? Um, I guess. I don't think that was really the reason, at least in my mind. I mean, I think it's like an overall team strategy thing uh, that they're playing these alternate comps. I don't think Dive would have really worked this week. I just think it's not wasn't wasn't a good pool for Dive. Um, too difficult to execute. But um, I think the biggest thing this week was just like they're trying to play this Ryan Zarya into double shield, and as soon as they can't rush through the shields and the maps don't favor them, then they get in these positions where they're on low ground with Ryan Zarya against double shield on high ground. I just feel like strategically they didn't have the answers to that. I felt like they were too reliant on Janu's D.Va normally making plays in those situations, which obviously not available this week, and I felt like that really hurt them. Uh, we also saw, uh, wasn't it the, the the charge? They brought out uh, a Roadhog for the first time this season, I believe. Yeah, yeah, playing a little Roadhog. Um, I think the hero has a bit of potential, but the number one reason is that D.Va is out of the pool, right? So with D.Va in the pool, it's pretty difficult to get finished kills on the hooks, so it's not going to be that good, but without D.Va, that's like the most important hero to be out of the pool to play Roadhog. Reaper as well, so right, like two two of the biggest problems for Roadhog are out of the pool, so uniquely good week for Roadhog and still, you know, maybe 10% of teams play him. Shows how bad of a state that hero is in. So uh, do you think uh, next time we see the Vancouver Titans, obviously, you know, you mentioned just sort of a bad weekend with them with, with hero pool selection. you think that they'll bounce back the same way that the Shock have? Uh, against both the Valiant and the Gladiators, which we'll talk about in a second here. Well, I think it could very easily be a bounce back for them. I mean, no guarantees, obviously. Uh, we'll see how they take the losses in terms of the emotional perspective. But um, in my mind, in my mind, the reason they lost was stri- strategy, you know, tactics, not execution or, or you know, ability on the on the players' level. So 
Uh, I mean, while it doesn't feel good, I think it's the best way to lose. I think if you're losing because you're just getting outclassed, then there's not much you can really do to fix that besides get better, get new players, which are you know pretty difficult problems to be having. But um, when your problem is the strategy and you're not playing the right comps, then, well, next week you just fix that and get some wins. So nothing to be too worried about, I think, for the Titans fans. But, um, yeah, definitely a tough week for them. Well, let's hope so, because I was, you know, really excited to see uh, Jay Hung finally get in there to be able to play, and then having an 0-2, you know, on the new team, it's it's, it's tragic. He's one of my favorite players in the league, and wish nothing but success for him. Uh, speaking of success, Philadelphia Fusion score another two wins against both the Atlanta Reign and the Paris Eternal, but just barely. Both of these went to Game 5s. Uh, let's start with the match against the Paris Eternal. You know, What was it that stood out to you in this matchup? I mean, I think it's just Philly's DPS line and their support line working together. I mean, Tank's playing well. Uh, I mean, honestly, you can't really fault anyone on Philly in terms of being a weak spot. Uh, they just look like one of the best teams right now, and, and I think it's pretty impressive, even though it goes by up 5, right? Um, you know, against Atlanta, against Paris. These are two teams that have also been really, really impressive. Maybe Atlanta getting a bit of a slow start, but it's always been clear, I think, that they'll be a competitor uh, come playoffs. So I think, like, yeah, despite going map fives, I mean, if anything, that's good practice for Philly, right? Like, they're not going to be in a position where they're getting overconfident stomping people, um, but at the same time, they're not going to be worried when they go to a 2-2 series, you know, in those playoff moments where you have to clutch up feels like that they can certainly do it this year. I mean, I feel like maybe Philly's always been a clutch team, but now not only are they a clutch team, but they're also winning in the neutral game. I think what I've heard them talk about is that in the past, they've kind of stooped down to the level of their opponents. If their opponents are playing less organized style, Philly would kind of stoop to that level and sometimes fall victim to it. But this season, they've looked way more composed, way more focused. And, you know, if a team gives them free wins, they're going to take the free wins. Um, and if they don't, they're going to be able to battle it out. So you got to give props to Philly. They look like certainly one of the best teams right now. What do you think the biggest difference has been for them since last year, which you know definitely seemed a little be a little bit of an off year for them? Um, I think it's the support line, right? Like that, that's where you have to see the biggest change here. And yeah. when, it, when, it, when it comes to exactly what I talked about with um, you know being more stable and, and you know when the opponents aren't playing well, you don't stoop to their level. That comes in a lot of ways from your callers, from your your main support. Um, and also your flex support, you know, these core backliners who are in many ways dictating the level of aggression that the team, you know, can can bring out. You know, those are the heroes, the players who should be saying, no, slow it down. Let's get repositioned. You know, not, you know, they're not, they're there for that purpose. And that's really, they're playing that role really well. You got to get props to Alarm and Funny Astro, two, I think, of the best supports in the league, not even thinking of them as rookies in the rookie category, but they are, <laughs> which is pretty impressive, I think, for both those players. I, I see them as some of the best players in the league. And, you know, everyone's going to talk about Philly's DPS and tanks, and, and there are no slouches to be sure, especially that off-tank role. Pretty disgusting to have Poco and Fury. But um, for me, Funny Astro and Alarm are like the real game-changers here. Yeah, uh, moving into their match against the Atlanta Reign, uh, if I remember correctly, didn't Funny Astro and Alarm, at least for, for a few of those matches, uh, accounted for half of the, the killing blows for uh, Philadelphia? Yeah, I mean, I don't really rate killing blows too highly because... It's not really significant. You could deal just like a random chance thing. Like if everyone's focusing the same target, the person who gets the final blow is, is basically random. Um, so I don't really give them too much credit for that. Particularly, I think it's more it's just like staying alive, having long team fights, getting a lot of value. Well, speaking of uh, final blows, though, of course, Carpe setting a uh, league record being the first one lifetime 4,000 killing blows. And I believe either the week before, maybe it was last week as well, also five hundred, four or 500 uh, solo kills as well. Uh, I know they were throwing around on the desk whether or not uh, Carpe should be up for the, the greatest of all time. Real quick, thoughts on that? 
Uh, no doubt. I mean, if it's going to be anybody, it might as well be Carpe, right? All right, and then finally uh, from this weekend, The Shock uh, completed their revenge tour against the Los Angeles Gladiators. Uh, 3-0, clean sweep. Uh, so what do you think that the – I mean, obviously, you know, everyone has uh, uh, bad weekends, any given payload, as I like to say. Uh, what was it you think that they were able to correct? you think it was something as simple as maybe the, the, the wrong hero pool for the weekends that they took the losses or maybe just uh, just not on their game? Uh, I mean, I think this is uh, just really well played by the Shock. Maybe, you know, a little bit more dominant than it could have been. I, I do agree, you know, LA Gladiators maybe off their game a little bit uh, relative to how strong they've looked in the past. Um, but Shock just showing that they're still a fearsome team. You know, no matter what happens to this team, wins, losses, I'm always going to be putting money on them come playoff time. Um, I'm not actually. I would probably be immoral. But, um, <laughs> you know, if I was a betting man, that's that's where my money would go. I mean, shock. You just can't count this team out. I don't really care if they have a bad week. They get some L's. doesn't bother me. I just think I believe in this roster, you know, to the end of the earth. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that we've said a lot of great things about the Los Angeles Valiant, uh, about the Gladiators, but they're currently sitting at 17th and uh, 12th place, respectively. Uh, do you see them climbing up a bit higher than that uh, going forward in the season? Yeah, actually, you know, I would have, I would have thought Valiant would have uh, a better season. I think maybe um, getting a bit unlucky in the metas and stuff, but they've also had some tough opponents. Um, so that strength of matchup maybe will start to favor them going longer into the season. Um, but yeah, it's you know, it's got to be feel bad for Valiant, right? They've had so many close games against some of the best teams, and yet not closing them out. Uh, and that could be some of that experience on the on the other teams. You know, the fact that Valiant has a lot of new players. You know, maybe not making the Game five adaptations as well as, you know, the more experienced veterans on other squads. Uh, but I do think both those teams, uh, I f- for sure expect Gladiators to make playoffs. I think Valiant could easily turn the season around, but um, they're going to have to tighten things up. Uh, I think for me, it's for them, it's not about strategy so much. I feel like the coaching staff has that pretty well locked down on the Valiant. I think it's just execution wise. Um, you know, they've been making some roster swaps and, and the whole team is, you know, a lot of rookies. So not that they can't execute. But they seem to be struggling with like the perfect consistency that's required in the Overwatch League. You know, you can't have those slip ups late in the series, especially um, that are are natural. You know, if you're a newer player, less experienced, but you know, you can't allow that to happen. Especially you look at some of the other rookies. You know, Alarm and Funny Astro. You forget that they're rookies. They don't make slip ups like that. So, uh, you know, Valiant they just got to clean it up. But I do think they've got the strength of roster for sure to make playoffs. Um, but obviously now it's it's a tough test. They're going to have to have a strong second half of the season. Well, I'm sure we'll see these standings uh, sort of switch around quite a bit more. You know, looking at them, uh, those like the Seoul Dynasty have only played two matches, whereas the uh, Houston Outlaws have played uh, ten. So still quite a bit to go, despite being uh, almost at the halfway mark here for the season. Uh, coming up next, though, we're actually going to talk about a few of the teams that have a few more games under their belt, what we expect from them going forward, what we've seen so far. But let us know what you guys think about some of these matches over on Twitter. You know, We'd love for you to engage with us, get your opinions on them. You can find us over at Checkpoint XP on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, you can find me at Robbie underscore Landis CP and Jake at Jake OW. We'll be right back. The COVID-19 pandemic has affected us all, but for some, it's led to near unlivable conditions. Many families rely on the meals provided by schools to feed their children. But with schools across the country closing their doors, those families are left desperate for solutions. And that's why we're so proud to partner with No Kid Hungry and a handful of others for Shutdown Showdown. 100% of our proceeds will support the charity to ensure kids get the meals they need during school closures and all year long. But we wouldn't be able to do it alone. 
So far, gamers and brands have come together by competing and donating to support our response effort to combat COVID-19's effect on the world. And we want you to join the fight alongside us. So grab your teammates and drop into Shutdown Showdown for those in need of your support and join the fight so together we can win the fight. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for watching and listening, if you happen to be listening to the podcast. Uh, if you haven't, maybe you're uh, constantly catching us over on YouTube at Checkpoint XP. If you'd like us mobile or on the go, you can download the audio version of this show on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you find your podcasts. Uh, make sure that you're checking out uh, both this show and all the other content we do over at CheckpointXP.com. And if you're not following already, Jake underscore OW over on Twitch. Make sure those notifications are turned on. So uh, something I'd like to do over the next few weeks is, uh, you know, for this middle segment here, you know, take two teams each week, talk about how they've been looking so far this season, you know, where they could end up, their strengths, weaknesses, uh, ups and downs. Um, uh, so uh, we're kind of looking at teams that have played nine to ten matches already, which is putting them just uh, uh, about a third of the way through the season here. Uh, so uh, who I'd like to start out with here, no bias intended, but of course, uh, the ones that I stand, the Houston Outlaws had a very, very shaky start to the season, which uh, they contributed a lot of to uh, catching the flu, a lot of them being under the weather, and they've started to bounce back a little bit. They're up at uh, 14th place right now, 4-6. and six. So, uh, Jake, your uh, initial thoughts, you know, used to be your old team. Uh, how are the Outlaws looking right now, and, and where do you sort of see them going forward? Uh, well, I think, you know, the Outlaws, a lot of people were, were questioning, oh, is this a valid excuse, everyone being sick and having a rough start to the season? A really rough start, in fact. Um, but it feels like that's pretty legit now with how crazy the turnaround has been for this team. I mean, you got to give them a ton of credit. They've beaten a lot of strong teams, uh, making reverse sweep, uh, you know, like some pretty impressive results, I think, overall from the squad. And I think, uh, you know, a long time, earlier on in the season when they were, what, one and five or something, it would have looked... Uh, pretty crazy to, to think that this team is going to make playoffs, but now with how great the rebound has been, that seems very much within reach. Um, I do think that the Outlaws still uh, are going to be a bit dependent on like how the hero pools shake out. Like there could be some bad hero pools for them still. I don't know if they have the the depth, or they haven't exactly shown the depth of playing every style of comp yet. Uh, but that's also because we haven't seen them so much recently. But to be fair, uh, the other side of that is that, you know, since that initial rough start, it feels like they've just been looking straight up, like almost tons of wins in a row, uh, lots of great games. So uh, I think very much anything is possible for the Outlaws. This is a major inflection point for them. Um, or I guess they already had their inflection point. The question is now, will they be able to continue that strong upward trend um, or, you know, facing some of the toughest teams in the league? Will they fall off going into the end of the season? Um, I, I'm pretty optimistic, though, honestly. Obviously, it was looking bad, but now the turnaround's been epic. And, and that the mental fortitude that it takes to do that, regardless of you know gameplay issues, uh, I think the mental fortitude it takes to make that turnaround from a really down start, um, especially on a franchise that struggled in the past, you know, you got to be respecting that. So props to the players. Um, I think the pickups for the Outlaws this season have been huge and uh, really excited to see where they go. Hope they make playoffs. 
Yeah, I mean, speaking of the pickups, obviously, you know, Hydration, Blase, Repel, Mecco, uh, Jexa, and then an entirely new uh, coaching staff as well. Do you think maybe one of the pains that they might be going to is still sort of learning how to adapt and play with one another? And, you know, that would be something that uh, if that is an issue that going forward, they're only going to get stronger. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, um, I think they had like a lot of things issue in the start of the season, right? Whether it's, you know, changing players and on top of that with the flu and stuff. So, to relieve all those issues at once, you know, taking the weights off, time to time to see what they can really do. Um, you know, I think I can't wait to see this team match up against some of the top teams and maybe they can make some upsets happen. So uh, I was actually able to uh, speak to Harsha uh, uh, early on before the season started and he said that, uh, you know, obviously one of their aspirations, uh, obviously championship, sure, but he said at the very least, you know, he wants to make sure that they make it into playoffs. So what do you think the chances of seeing the Houston Outlaws make it into the playoffs are? Uh, right now it looks pretty good, honestly. They just have to maintain the strong trajectory. Uh, obviously, that rough start is going to be a weight around their ankles in terms of going forward. They're going to have to be really, really strong. Like, not really, like, whereas a lot of these teams that have had strong starts, you know, they've got room to slip up, to have some bad weeks, some hero pulls they don't like, take some L's. The outlaws don't really have that, I feel. I mean, obviously, they can take a couple more losses. It's not like we're not that close to the end of the season yet to where we can start mathing it out. But, um, it does feel like they need to have some really strong weeks, you know, especially you want to be in that comfort zone, you know, be positive in the win rate, um, which they're close to doing. Just need to get a couple more strong weeks. But those strong weeks, you know, aren't going to be easy. They have some tough games. All right. Speaking of those who are probably doing a lot better than anyone else, talked about them a little bit there in the first segment. But the Philadelphia Fusion, uh, they're currently sitting eight and one plus 15 map differential. Uh I mean, it's probably pretty clear right now that, of course, we're going to see the Philadelphia Fusion uh, in the playoffs here. Uh, what do you think some of the bigger challenges are that Philadelphia has going forward? You know, we did just see them get taken to a Game 5 by Paris and Atlanta, both still strong teams. Um, but if anything, you know, what is it that, that Philadelphia has to overcome here for the rest of the season? Uh, I don't think they really have to overcome much in terms of obstacles. You know, it's pretty much steady as she goes. Um, obviously, there's no free wins in the Overwatch League. Uh, but at the same time, Philly do look like pretty clearly one of the best teams right now. And, and I don't think, um, especially in the region, I don't think there's there's too many people who can upset them. I would, I would have thought Paris would be one of those teams uh, that could upset them. I would have thought Atlanta would be one of those teams. And, you know, taking it to game five and still winning shows that Philly still has that clutch power, which I think is especially meaningful coming into playoffs. Uh, you got to have the confidence in those playoff series that the pressure is high. The tension is high. You know, if your team has a weak mental, you could easily be broken by a bad map here or there in playoffs. Uh, but it shows that Philly doesn't have that issue. So I think uh, the only thing they have to overcome is their own overconfidence, maybe getting getting um, too confident in the season just because they're so far ahead right now. But if they just keep their heads down, maintain what's been the biggest change for them this season, which is, you know, being more organized and focused and not stooping down to the level of a weaker opponent, then this team could easily win the season. I mean, very, very realistic. So. I don't think there's much, much in terms of obstacles, really. Uh, just steady as she goes, Philly. You got the you got great players, great roster. Uh, they've been doing a great job on the coaching staff as far as you know, getting value out of different players' hero pools. Uh, I'm just excited to see where the future, what the future holds for the Philly. What do you think the likelihood is of uh, Funny Astro or Alarm? And if you had to pick one of them, who do you think's getting Rookie of the Year? Uh, I mean, it's just the the bane of main support is that you know you're never gonna get awards. It's pretty hard, but I do Aww. think Funny Astros is that good. But I would give it to Alarm just because you know he makes the pop off plays and frags out, which Funny Astro does too. But it's just you know you're not doing that as often on main support. It's just the reality of it. But um, I do think they're both high impact players. 
but I would have to, I'm mostly giving Funny Astro tons of props because I know players who play with him and people, teams he's been on, and they all say the same thing, that he's like this huge presence on the team. So I know he offers that much, but it's one of those things where our main support, the people who really know how good you are, are your teammates. Um, and nobody else can really appreciate it quite the same as the people you're leading in the match uh, with your comms and whatnot. So, All right, so Philadelphia Fusion, if we don't see them in the playoffs, I'm going to be very disappointed. And uh, the Outlaws, if they can keep the plays up, they have a pretty good shot here. Up next, we're going to discuss the recent hero bands, how they might affect the meta, and changes to the hero band system. Once again, stick with us. Hey, this is Norris from Checkpoint XP here to bring you your next CSL flashback. This time we go to CSGO where we see University of Massachusetts Pat go absolutely nuts with the scope. Such a clever play. They rotate back oh. up, but they've got the barrel of Pat in the way. He gets one. He even gets a second. Oh my oh, god, Pat! What are you? Oh my god, Pat! Stop. What the hell is this? Stop. Pat! I freaked out just a little bit there. Jesse is thirsty. Ow! Whoop! Whoa! Ah! Whoa! Holy crap! Get out of there! Jesus! Damn! Welcome back in, everyone, to the Owl's Nest. Uh, now, normally here in this third segment, we'd uh, preview some of the upcoming matches of the week. Uh, but this weekend, the schedule has uh, been a little elongated, stretched out a little bit more. So uh, there are Thursday and Friday matches going on, uh, as well as the uh, Eastern teams playing uh, very, very early in the morning on uh, Saturday and Sunday. So instead, we're going to do something a little bit different here. First of all, there are some new hero band rules uh, that have came through that are going to help align those playing on the competitive ladder more with what's going on in the Overwatch League. And uh, uh, essentially, the same sort of rules uh, where the tickets that are being put into the uh, very highly uh, technological uh, bingo-spinning uh, 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 ball there uh, will now be affected not just by Overwatch League play, but also by the top competitive ladder. Uh, as a result of this, the uh, hero ban for this week was uh, taken from both of them, and uh, poor Brigitte uh, was the only support that was uh, on the table to be banned out since uh, the other two uh, were banned in both competitive play and in the OWL. Uh, so, you know, sorry, Brigitte. Uh, we also saw Reinhardt, McCree, and Widowmaker get pulled. So the first thing that I want to ask you, Jake, is uh, how do you feel about the sort of new rules now to where both the competitive ladder and professional play affects the heroes that are banned? Uh, I mean, I think it's really, really important that they be synchronized just because imagine being a pro player and like the hero you need to practice for this week with the meta and Overwatch League is banned and ranked. And then you just like, okay, I guess I'll scrim only and like do not practice my hero in ranked. Or if you're not that confident on the hero, then you're like, well, I'm screwed, right? Like there's no way to practice it. So I do think it's a pretty terrible situation when the hero pools are different. It also makes it harder as a viewer. You're like watching the Overwatch League play Reaper torb or whatever and then you go to range and it's like wait reaper's banned like or, or like you know just just the game is different even if it's not the specific hero the fact that the hero pool is different changes the game and, and you don't get to play what the people in overwatch league are playing and i think that kind of sucks uh, as a big fan of the viewer or as a big fan of the overwatch league and a fan of the game i want it to be the same um mm -hmm. i don't love that ranked is affecting the hero bands in the overwatch uh, league it might lead to yeah. some issues like 
something like Genji, which is like sees virtually zero play in the Overwatch League, might get banned just because people don't care in ranked and they just play for fun. Um, the one thing I want to know is like what SR is like high level ranked because they don't ever say that. Um, I don't know. Is it GM? Is it Masters? Like well, where is it? Top five hundred? Like where does it start? Where do they care about the data? Um, and I also think there's going to be some problems with it. Like Echo is going to have a really high pick rate for like weeks, months. Oh yes, right. So the heroes yeah. are always going to have a even if it even if it wasn't good in the Overwatch League. Like even if McCree just counters this hero too hard. I mean, I think Echo is quite strong. But what's yet to be seen is McCree just the hard counter and this hero is not good because she just dies to McCree really easily, which I think very easily could be the case. Her hitbox is quite large and McCree kills her quite fast. So I don't, I'm not like super confident that Echo will be this dominant meta hero, but she's 100%, like it does not matter. She will be like the highest pick rate DPS for a month in pubs because every new hero is that. So it's sort of the reality of like pub stats being pretty questionable in terms of their meaning. Yeah, no, that's a very, very uh, good insight too. I'm on the same pages as you are. Uh, obviously, the you know what people play on the ladder and what we're watching the OWL should always be synchronized, especially for those few, few, few weeks where uh, the devs were like banning out two tank heroes or two main support heroes. Uh, I don't know how anyone managed to play through that, uh, but I do also agree that just taking into consideration part of the comp, I, I, I never even really thought about that either. That you know Genji, like you said, doesn't see much play, uh, but there are you know entire Genji mains on the competitive ladder. And uh, it could definitely lead to at least a few stale weekends if, uh, you know, because of the competitive ladder heroes that we don't see a lot in the OWL end up receiving the bans because of competitive on its own. I don't think a whole lot of people would complain if, you know, we stuck to just banning heroes based on OWL usage, but it had a trickle down into the regular game there too. Uh, so taking a look at the heroes we do have banned again, uh, Reinhardt, Brigitte, uh, McCree, and Widowbaker. Poor hit scans out there once again. Uh, what do you think the gameplay is going to look like? What do you think some of the compositions are going to look? Are we going to look, uh, <laughs> probably go back to a whole lot of dive? Um, well, in ranked with, um, with Echo, I think Echo is like incredibly powerful right now because, mm-hmm. you know, Ash and Soldier are the only hit scans left and the only traditional hit scans left, so... Ash is pretty decent at killing Echo, so is Soldier. They're okay, but I think McCree would be like the true hero to be playing against Echo, um, especially because the copy on McCree is not all that effective, whereas copying Soldier and Ash I think is quite effective. So McCree, just the matchup is really great against Ash, but the fact that he's out of the pool means Ash gets to have like a huge, or sorry, Echo gets to have a huge boost to her utility. Uh, she's much more difficult to answer at this moment. Um, but. Um, yeah, I think the lack of hit, hit scan is interesting. We can just see Ash and Soldier see play because, I mean, the hit scan in general is incredibly powerful. And the Ash and Soldier are generally the weakest two hit scan um, are generally just, they're not bad heroes. They're just worse than McCree and Widow. Mm. Uh, they don't deal the same amount of burst damage. Uh, they have, you know, various limitations in the sniper and brawler class for hit scan, respectively. But, um,. I think without them, the game gets pretty crazy. Like a lot of like fast moving dive, you know, heroes that would normally get picked off by a McCree sitting in the back line or a Brig defending her supports uh, or her DPS. You know, those, those, without those stuns, without those control effects, it's a lot easier to get in the back and flank and, and be surrounding an enemy. Um, but honestly, I think it'll be a double shield meta because <laughs> I think without Ryan, <laughs> you pretty much can't brawl. Like the rushing brawl strat just does mm-hmm. not seem good at all. Uh, maybe it'll be like Arissa, Arissa Diva instead of Arissa Sigma. I think those are fine too. Uh, but honestly, I, I just don't see Dive really being viable right now. It's just, too, I just don't think Dive is a good style. Uh, certain maps, like, you know, you got your Elios, sure, you'll play Dive there uh, and whatnot. There's certainly going to be maps where, where Dive is strong. 
but on the majority of the map pool, I think the shields shields with spammers is, is just so powerful right now. Um, yeah. Yeah, the last time that I hoped for Dive, we ended up getting uh, Soldier and Torbjorn, so who knows what it might end up being. But regardless, looking forward to a good week of Overwatch League, guys. That's all the time that we have for today. Once again, we'd love to hear your thoughts and what you'd like to see go on this week. Uh, connect with us on social media. That's Checkpoint XP on Twitter and Facebook. You can also find Jake at JakeOW and on, tw- and on Twitch at Jake underscore OW, guys. Until next week, remember, stay on that payload. <laughs>